Do you remember? Let's see if you can do it now. Can you click on it very quick, the slides? Okay. All right, so husbands, please all stand up. Yeah, seriously. Husbands, let's all stand up. Let's renew our vows today. Yeah, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Let's, let's stand up. I don't want to be the only person doing it here. Okay, right, let's say our name, our spouse's name. Okay, let's do it. I, take you. Does it take you, Mandy, to be my wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, for sickness and instant health, to love and to cherish until death do us to part. According to God's holy law, in the presence of God, I made this vow. All right. Daniel, you can do it again when you go home. Okay. <laughs> if you choose so. Okay, husbands, please be seated. Wives, please stand up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You cannot be one-sided. Okay, you can go ahead. Thank you. Please be seated. For those of you who are dating, okay, today's a rehearsal for you, okay? Yeah, think about it. Yeah. All right, so uh, let's, uh, let's go into the message. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father God, we thank you for your marriage. It's a wonderful gift from you. And uh, unfortunately, we have some broken marriages in this world. Um, and this is a broken world, so... Uh, that's why we need you, and we need you, especially need you in the broken relationships. So may you come today to our midst, speak to each one of us, and anoint each one of us, anoint our heart. May we not have the hardness of heart. May our hearts be softened toward you, to know how much you love us, and to be willing to accept your love, and to live out your love. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Um, so we'll come to a new chapter. Um, let's see what happens uh, in this chapter. And he left there, meaning Jesus, he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan and crowds gathered to him again. And again, as was his custom, he taught them. Right, so Jesus finished all his ministries in Galilee. Now he's moving closer and closer to his destination, which is Jerusalem. So he came to Judea, and he also came to a region beyond the Jordan, meaning the Transjordan, the east of Jordan, uh, called Perea at the time. And if you remember previous sermons, that was under the, uh, the, govern, uh, the governance of Herod and Antipas. Uh, Perea is also the place where John the Baptist was prisoned and killed and beheaded. And um, that has something to do with today's story too. All right, so let's continue. And Pharisees came up and in order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Now, a tricky question. Uh, they knew the answer, and that's why it was a test. Pharisees knew that Mosaic laws permit divorce. It's actually lawful 
to divorce uh, under uh, Moses' law. And uh, the, the, dis uh, the dispute is about under what condition? What, under what condition can you uh, divorce lawfully? Uh, but here the text said they asked this question to test him. Why? Remember, this region is Perea. It's where John Baptist was killed. And why was he killed? Because he criticized Herod, the king there, and his wife, because both of them divorced their previous spouses and remarried. And John said that's adultery, and therefore he was captured and eventually beheaded. <clears throat> right? So they're setting up this trap. They hope if Jesus says something similar, they can trap him, and he will be in trouble as uh, John the Baptist was. Okay, and Jesus answered them, what did Moses command you? What did Moses say about this matter? <clears throat> and they answered, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. They're referring to Deuteronomy, right? Uh, there's uh, uh, some certain statutes concerning divorce. Basically, a man can divorce his wife by issuing a certificate of divorce. And uh, so this is to protect the, the woman that he will, she will not be seen as an adulteress. She, she will not uh, uh, be seen as a runaway from the marriage, and so she could remarry again. And, uh, and also, uh, it stipulates that if this woman, <clears throat> the divorced wife, married again, and the second husband died, the first husband uh, can, can, cannot take it back because she has been defiled. Okay, she has been remarried. Okay, that's what the law is about. Um, so it was lawful for uh, according to Moses, and um, but there are disputes around it because uh, uh, Pharisees have two different there are many factions. The Shemai faction says you can only divorce your wife when you find when you find her uh, adulterous that she commits adultery, then you can divorce her. But uh, the other faction, uh, Hileo says, oh, you can divorce her for whatever reason. You know, she's not, uh, she doesn't cook well, you can divorce her. Uh, she's not pretty enough, you find another prettier wife, you can divorce her. So basically, anything goes. So, um, so that, that's the background for this. So they came to Jesus and they quoted Moses and said, hey, we're okay, it's okay to divorce. And Jesus said to them, this is because your hardness of heart that he wrote you this commandment. This, this law is, is not according to God's will. It's to accommodate your sinfulness. Because you're sinful, and no matter what I say anyway, you guys are going to divorce anyway. So to protect the women in this situation, because in ancient times, in agricultural times, women did not tend to divorce because they have no ways of living. They cannot sustain themselves. Men are the, uh, the, the people doing the work in the fields. So they have the money, they have the power. Uh, it's, it's pretty much shamanistic, it's very much male-centered. So men have all the power to divorce as he wants, even in Jewish societies. So Moses came out with this law to protect the women so that they could remarry again if they got divorced by their husbands, right? And Jesus continues, but from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female from the beginning. So Jesus is quoting a different passage. He's quoting Genesis. He's not quoting Moses. He's quoting Genesis from the beginning, before the fall. Remember Genesis 1 and 2? They are before the fall. The fall was in chapter 3, when, when, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. Before that disobedience, before that sin, the original intent for creation is to create male and female. And they are to be married. 
right? This is from Genesis 1. According to God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them, right? Male and female have a lot to do with the image of God. Not male and male, not female and female, but male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Right? The two will become a new family, the new union. They become one flesh spiritually, mentally, and physically. Right? Sexually, they will become one flesh. How can male and male become one flesh naturally? Can female and female become one flesh naturally? We all know that's not possible, right? It's through unnatural means. And therefore, those relationships are sinful in God's eyes. We'll talk more about that. But this is a quotation from Genesis 2. Therefore, a man should, shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they are no longer two, but one flesh. And therefore, God, what God has joined together, let not man separate. See, Jesus is taking away the power from the Jewish man. Jewish man had a lot of power in Judaism. Judaism at this time is very chauvinistic. It's very uh, 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 patriarchal, uh, 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 very male, male dominating, and all the power is resides with the men. And Jesus says, no, the power of creating marriage or ordaining marriage is with God. So when you divorce, you abuse your power as a husband and you rebelled against God. What God has joined together, let, man, let not man separate. And Moses had that law to, per, to permit you doing, you doing that because your hearts are hardened. It's not God's will. And, in, uh, just, uh, and the story continues. In the house, the disciples asked him again about this matter. You know, see, see why the disciples are probably confused too. Because it's prevalent. It's the custom that everyone just, every man, if they don't like, if he, he doesn't like his wife, he can just divorce her. But Jesus rebukes this practice. He said, that's against God's will. That's not what God wants. So they asked Jesus again to clarify. And Jesus repeats. He said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. Right? She basically repeats. If you divorce your wife and remarry, you commit adultery. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. It's just not a guy, but the woman, same thing for the woman too. Now it's very rare uh, in ancient times for a woman to divorce because it's, uh, it's uh, to her doom, right? Because she will lose her means of uh, living. And, but it does happen, and it actually happened to Herod's wife. Herodias divorced her husband and so that she could marry a king. So it did happen. And Jesus said, in that case, the woman commits adultery too when she divorces her husband. <laughs> and so in this case, Jesus basically sided with John the Baptist. But he said this in, the, in, in, in private. He did not say out loud in the public because he knew that, uh, you know, uh, this is how Pharisees wanted to trap him. They were trying to get him into troubles with the king. Herod Antipas and his wife. All right, so that's the story today. So uh, first thing I want to talk about, there are many things that are legal but sinful. 
Moses' law is not God's will. And Jesus clarifies it. Because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. Interestingly, another place in the Old Testament gave the same uh, principle. <clears throat> it's from Ezekiel. Because they had not obeyed my laws, but had rejected my decrees and desecrated my Sabbaths, and their eyes lusted after their parents' idols, so I gave them other statues that were not good. Many laws, even the laws in the Jewish societies, some of them are not good. They are not good because people are not good. Bad laws for bad people. And we have a lot of bad laws in this country because people are bad. In California, if you steal under $950, you are not guilty. Right? That's in California. Is it stealing good? Stealing is definitely not good. But because so many people steal, police has limited resources. So they say, if you steal under this amount, you're free to go. We're not going to go after you. Homosexuality is legal in this country. Adultery is legal in this country. You can commit adultery here in this country. You don't need to go to jail. Premarital sex is legal. Smoking marijuana is legal. Doing drugs is legal. Some drugs. A lot of things are legal in this country. But it doesn't mean they are not sinful. So many times the laws are there to accommodate the situation, to try to bring out the best, to try to optimize the situation because people are bad and you cannot change them. And therefore the law, some of the laws permit sinful behaviors. But that doesn't mean those behaviors are not sinful. So being illegal, trying to do the things right, trying to obey the law is a minimal. But we should know that above the man's law, above the human laws, there's God's law. And that's why we're trying to achieve. That's why we're trying to comply with. And we should, uh, we should aim not only to obey human laws to be a good testimony, but beyond more than that, we should obey God's law. God's good law. Now, second thing about marriage. God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This gives you the sex, the principle about sex, according to the biblical principle. The only sex permitted that can be celebrated in God's eyes is between a male and female in a covenant relationship of marriage. Any sex happens outside this context is sinful. Sex between man and man, sex between woman and woman, sex between a man and woman outside of marriage, sex between a man and woman before marriage, all these are sinful in God's eyes. And the only safe, safe sex that we can have is in the marriage. And that's the, the, the biblical principle. And that's what we believe. And that's what, what we follow. Okay, divorce. Jesus gave the principle saying divorce is not good. God does not desire divorce. Um, and there are other places in the Bible that talks about divorce, so I want to bring it up again uh, together in this place. In this, uh, Matthew chapter 5 talks about divorces again, but there's an exception cause. There's a birth cause. Uh, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. Basically, a spouse can divorce if the other, the other one is committing adultery. 
So the remaining, the victim has no choice. So he or she can divorce. And uh, Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians also said, uh, mentioned other situations. Uh, if anybody has a wife who is not a believer and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. Basically, if you marry a non-Christian, if you're a believer and your spouse is not a believer, the non-believer won't stay with you, then you should stay with him. You cannot use faith or religion as a reason to divorce the person. But unfortunately, in some cases, if the non-believing spouse insists to leave, if he deserts you or she deserts you, and you have no choice, then you are free to go. Right? You don't want to be a slave to that. So the principle, and these are all the passages in the New Testament. So according to the New Testament, the principle is quite clear. Uh, basically, you are on the receiving end. The other spouse goes for another man or woman, you have no, no choice, then you can divorce. If the other person leaves, if the spouse has left, nowhere to be found, and you, you have no choice. I know a, a, a divorce uh, in my previous church, uh, the, the husband got sick, and it's, uh, the wife just say, and they, they have no children, so I say, I don't spend the rest of my life taking care of him. So he, she departs, she just left. In that case, the husband had no choice. In, in fact, the husband had, you know, because his disease was, you know, back to be like some, like five year old, the, the, he, he lost the, uh, part of the, the brain uh, was, it was eaten by some virus, I don't know. So that, in that case, you know, the, he had no choice. So um, that's a biblical principle. Uh, However, in reality, people divorce for different, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, even people in church, even Christians, they divorce for all kinds of reasons. They don't necessarily divorce based on biblical principles. And, uh, and we, we heard this a lot, right? The divorce rate among Christians are the same as that of non-Christians. That's uh, quite unfortunate. So these are, this is a broken world, and we, we know the principle, but we also have to deal with practical matters in reality. So concerning reality, some practical tips uh, for me as a pastor, uh, I think I'm, I should be pretty much in line with this church. Uh, first thing concerning divorce. Uh, we do have divorcees in this church. Uh, we do have children of divorcees in this church. Uh, church is not in the business of condemnation. We are not here to say, oh, this divorce is sinful, that divorce is not sinful, you are sinful, you are not sinful. This is not our business. We're not here to do that because everyone is sinful. Everyone was sinful. And we are all here gathering to worship God because we trust in his grace and will trust in his forgiveness and uh, so for if you any of you you are the victims of divorce or you are the children of divorce uh, this is um, my words you know uh, last week I think Hans Wilhelm talks about forgetting what's behind but straining forward for what's new what's ahead you know what's done is done and there's not much you can do about it but you need to focus on the future and to trust God's forgiveness. And you have to trust God's restorative 
love. Uh, if you are children of divorcees, if your parents divorce, and if you are a, a, a child of such a divorce, and I want to say this, it is not your fault. It is not your fault that your parents divorced. Because almost all children of divorce think it's their fault, but it's not. It's not your fault. When I was nine, um, my parents, they moved to a, a big house, they bought a big house and yeah, but things did not go well and they were fighting almost every day. There were some serious fights, sometimes physical, sometimes vocal. And one night my mom wanted to leave. She packed up, she wanted to leave. I was, I was freaking out. And I remember I was crying, kneeling there and, and promising my wife, my, my, sorry, my mom, I said, I, I will not misbehave anymore. I will, I will, and I will discipline my sister and brother. I'll make sure they all behave. Please do not leave. Now, all kids think that their parents had quarrels, their parents fight because of them. So they put it themselves. I do say, if your parents divorce, it's not your fault. Your parents made that decision and they bear the consequence, they bear the responsibility of that decision. That night, uh, when my mom was about to leave, and she, uh, eventually my dad stopped her. But that night, <clears throat> when everyone was asleep, I was not a Christian, none of us was Christian. My whole family, we, we didn't believe anything. That night, when everyone was asleep, I went to a corner in my house, I couldn't sleep, because I knew something bad about to happen. And that, to me, is like the whole world was coming down. It felt like, it felt like the end of the world to me. I went to a corner and I prayed the first time in my life. I actually did not know what I was praying to, or who I was praying to, but I somehow I, I felt something higher there, someone up there that may hear me. And I prayed, I kneeled and I prayed. I prayed, please help, that they will not divorce, that they will not separate. <laughs> and lo and behold, things changed after that prayer. Some senior members in the, in the clan, some senior relatives, they, they interfered. They, they, they stepped in and the message was, was savaged, was saved. Well, many years after that, I asked my mom, so why did you guys fight? Is it because of us? No, she said, no, no. Because they bought a big house and they financially, they are very, they, they are very tight. You know, money can cause a lot of issues. So kids of, of divorced parents, don't put the guilt on you and don't put the blame on yourselves. And I'm sorry that your divorced parents may have disappointed you a lot. Um, we are not here to condemn divorce, but we are also not here to make light of divorce. Divorce has a serious consequence, has a serious impact on the divorced couple, and especially on their children. And I want to say to the, this to you, if you are a victim of divorce, 
You know, even though your parents may have disappointed you, but our God, the Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven, will never disappoint you. <clears throat> if you put your faith in Jesus, if you trust that He died for you, and He's the Son of God, and He was resurrected, and He's now sitting in the right hand of God, if you put your faith in Him, the love of Jesus will satisfy you more than anything. His love is the sweetest thing of this world. Now, our earthly families, our earthly parents may disappoint us. Unfortunately, sometimes even church, you know, the family of God sometimes can disappoint. But our God, our God of Trinity, our God of Father and Son and Spirit, this God of love never disappoints. Like the song we sing this morning, his steadfast love never ceases. And his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. So put your faith in Jesus and join his family. And I encourage you, if you're still hesitating, join the family of Jesus. His love will make up for everything you lose. His love makes up for everything. Right? So that's about divorce. Second thing about marriage. Um, if your parents have divorced and um, if they consider remarriage, I think uh, as children, you can uh, encourage them to really reflect on the previous marriage about the mistakes they make and to be able to forgive. And for marriage to work, and this is from Hans Waham in one of his sermons, a good marriage takes two good forgivers. Huh? Makes sense? I'll say again. A good marriage takes two good forgivers. You have to learn how to forgive. Uh, if your divorced parents, they are still bitter about the previous spouse, if you sense there's still resentment, hatred, or bitterness, you know, pray to God. And somehow, I hope you can minister to your parents. Hey, you have to learn to forgive. Yeah, the other person may have done some, something very bad, but maybe you have done something very bad yourself too, right? It takes two people to, to become one flesh. It also takes, takes two people to break apart one flesh. Uh, the wrongdoing is usually on both sides. So we have to learn to be forgiven, but we also have to learn to forgive. Now, if a divorced parent says, oh, I'm done with marriage. I don't want to marry anymore. I mean, it's painful. Well, remaining single is not a bad idea. Actually, it's not a bad idea at all. Remaining simple, single, but join the community of love. Join the community of Jesus. We all need that. Now, um, good news for millennials is they tend to marry later, later. But because they tend to marry later, they, they have a lower divorce rate. So if you are not sure you can make that commitment, if you're not sure you can make that vows that we made this morning as husbands and wives, then think twice before you get into marriage. Uh, but if you are dating, you consider marriage, uh, some tips for you. Uh, you need to look at the practical aspects too. Right? The spiritual principle is very clear. 
right? Into practice love, into practice forgiveness, into be patient and kind to each other, <coughs> into have into sacrifice for each other, and that's all taken. Okay, that's that's all obvious, but there are practical signs, right? You look into your family backgrounds, into look at whoever you're dating. You have to look into the person's siblings, their parents, because whatever they have in their original family, they will bring to their marriages. So those things need to consider. And um, and you have to have same values. You have to talk a lot about on practical things. You know, how are you going to manage your finance? Are you going to have joint accounts or are you still going to have separate accounts? Uh, when do you plan to retire? Do you want to have kids? When do you want to have kids? You have to talk about all these practical things. You know, uh, you're going to a covenant, and it's a serious covenant because if you break the covenant, you sin against God, and therefore it's a serious matter. So take marriage, serious, take marriage seriously. Do not follow the world. The world does not take marriages seriously. They get married, they divorce, they get married again, they divorce. That's not what we are supposed to do. That's not what Jesus wants us to do. Right, dating. Uh, uh, some people ask uh, about tips for dating. Uh, the, the advice for me is do not date for the sake of dating. You date when you're ready for marriage. I, uh, uh, I think last month we had a family gathering and my wife was asking some college boy, say, hey, are you dating? And the boy, the Christian boy gave very sound answer. He said, no, I'm not dating because I'm not ready for marriage. So that's a good answer. If you're not ready for marriage, do not date. Do not waste time dating. Now, people in this world, they don't do that. They date, right? Why? Because they want to have sex, right? That's why a lot of people in this world, they date. That's not why you want to date, right? Premarital sex, as we said, is against the biblical principle. And let me repeat this again. If you become one flesh with another person outside the context of marriage, it's a serious, serious sin. It's a grave sin. And sometimes it leaves an indelible scar on yourself, on the other person. So don't, don't go in there. Don't do that. <laughs> do not date for the sake of dating. Date when you're seriously about marriage, when you're you about to get married. And therefore, you probably don't want to date too long because there will be temptations, right? If the relationship doesn't work, if the other person doesn't want to commit, make the commitment, if you yourself don't, don't want to make a commitment, maybe you should consider ending that dating because that's no good. Okay, that's my advice. So overall, take marriage seriously. Take marriage seriously. And pray hard when you date. See God's will and live a holy life. Being a single, being a married couple, live a holy life. That's the advice. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the message. We thank you for your son, Jesus. He reveals your holy principle. Uh, we all know we all fall short. Uh, yes, church is a place for saints, but these saints are, are previous sinners. 
We came to you sinful, and you wash us clean. When we put our faith in you, you forgive us, you give us a new beginning. So many of us, some of us, I was just say many of us, some of us may be victims of divorce in the past. Help us forget what was what, what, what was in the past. But focus on what is new, what's ahead of us. For the children of divorced parents here, I pray that you comfort them, you heal them, and give them that faith, believing that. Your love will make up for whatever their parents fall short of. That they have the best parents, the Father in heaven. They have the best brother, Jesus Christ, who looks after them, who loves them. For those of us who are dating here, who are considering dating, bless them and lead them to a Christian spouse that's willing to commit. That's willing to love, that's willing to stay faithful. For those who, for those of us here who are in marriages, help us. Teach us how to love, and forgive, and practice that every day. I mean, you protect our marriage from all temptations. Enable us, empower us, to live faithfully to our spouses. To our families, as you are faithful to us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.